Hello there, listeners. This is your boy Bryce from Brothers on Tennis. As you probably remember, a couple of weeks ago, Isaac and I mentioned that during this very short off-season of the pro tennis circuit, we're going to take an opportunity to reintroduce to you what were our favorite episodes of 2019. Our producer Chester, Isaac, and myself, we've each selected our favorite episode from the year, and we're resharing them with you. For me today, that episode is episode number eight. Now, my friends and family, this will be no surprise to them because everybody knows that eight is my favorite number. But that's not the reason why I chose this episode. Um, It also just happens to be our most listened to episode. But once again, that's not the reason why I selected this as my favorite episode. The reason why I picked it is because Without a doubt to me, this is our most emotionally charged episode. This was the one that came on the heels of, you know, a very disappointing Wimbledon finals weekend for Isaac and I. We were saddened to see Serena lose in straight sets to Simona Halep in the finals for the women. And for the men, Roger Federer had two championship points and he couldn't convert and Djokovic uh, took the title. So... We were not feeling the best about that, and you'll hear in the episode how uh, we're trying to give our coaching from the couch to uh, Roger and Serena um, after those results. But anyway, the, the other thing that I wanted to mention about this episode was we had previously decided that this was going to be the episode that we were going to give our feedback on the television commentators uh, from ESPN and from the Tennis Channel. And uh, unfortunately, because I think we were feeling some sort of way because of the Wimbledon finals, um, I think some of our commentators took a hit for that. So uh, we apologize, uh, but uh, I admit we were probably in our feelings a little bit um, on that particular episode. So anyway, here is episode eight, Wimbledon 2019 results. Enjoy. Hey, hey, what's up, everybody? This is your boy, Isaac. And this is your boy, Bryce. And we are Brothers on Tennis. And guess what, y'all? Wimbledon has wrapped up, and man, oh, man, was there some craziness going on up in that place, I'm trying to tell you. First and foremost, I want to thank our listeners who are out on SoundCloud and iTunes and what have you for joining in. Uh, We really appreciate your patronage, and we appreciate you listening to us. Bryce, how was that Wimbledon for you, brother? Let me tell you what. Wimbledon was great all the way into the last two days. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I, Preach. I mean, I mean, <sighs> Serena, what are you doing? Uh, Halep, you listen. couldn't beat that skull in? Are you listen. serious? Listen, Simona Halep was like, you know what? I got my jar of Vaseline. I'm coming out here. I done got my boxing gloves on. And sister, I ain't scared of you. I'm going to swing out on you, and you are not going to be ready for this. And Bryce, you and I have talked about this on many occasions. Why in the hell didn't Serena have her ass out on the practice course playing a practice set before she went out there in the Wimbledon final? Please help you me know understand. What? Sometimes I feel like Serena and Venus, hmm. because they've been so successful in the past, they feel like they can just do it their way, right? Right, exactly. But you, 
But they got to remember, people have been watching them play for over 20 years, so they know how their way is. Yes. So they got to flip it up, switch it, bring it a little different, or just at the end of the day, be ready. There was, after you took them two lumps in the <laughs> Wimbledon final last year and in the U.S. Open final last year, you would have thought she got herself to another final. No way she was going to get caught off guard. No way. I don't, I don't know if she was up late feeding Olympia or what, but no, I'm, no, I'm serious. But she was not ready, and who took full advantage of that was Simona Halep. And once Simona Halep got hyped in that first set, it was done. It was done. It was so done. I mean, and let's just be clear, Bryce. Serena was like one of them babies that you play that peekaboo with. You know how you, they look surprised. <laughs> It's like peekaboo, bitch. It's like every t- Christ, every time. I mean, she hit a good shot, and she'd be like, boom, I got that. Simona would be like, no, nah, no, nah, sister. She'd run it down, get it back. And Serena, like I said, playing peekaboo, she was like, oh, it came back. Yeah, of course it came back. It's Simona Hollow. She's defense. She played you exactly like Angie Kerber played you the year before. What don't, what, I, oh, my God. Jesus? Well, <laughs> Praise you know what? Jesus. Here's my thing. Here's my thing. I Sometimes I struggle to understand, was the issue with Serena or was the issue with the coaching? I see, and because, I think it was all Serena. Because I, I don't I, know if Patrick didn't have her in the right frame of mind or if Serena at this stage of her career – it doesn't really matter what Patrick says. She should know what to do, right? Exactly. It's to me, Bryce. She's she's seasoned. She's the goat. She knows what she needs to do. You can't. This cannot be a coaching thing. This is all Serena. This is Serena not showing up. This is Serena not being prepared. This is Serena playing peekaboo and being surprised every time Simona Halep get the damn ball back to her and just not being ready, coming out and just. The first set, I could see it when she came out and she was just kind of, oh, the dog. I'm like, see, she ain't ready. She needs to come out there in a full lather. Just be sweated out. I mean, take off your coat and be like, ooh, you already you already sweated out. That, to me, shows that you prepared. She didn't come out like that, B. She didn't come out. And, and let me tell you why I wasn't ready for this. Because if we back it up around mm-hmm. and we take it to the semifinals. Yes. Now, Halep, she put the smack down on Svitolina. Yes, And that wasn't a big surprise because what was the surprise was that Svitolina was actually in the semifinals. <laughs> exactly. That was the surprise. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if our listeners remembered, but and, 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 and Simona Halep saved you, Isaac. But yes, she he did. picked <laughs> Isaac picked Svitolina to be the one kind of top 10 player that definitely wasn't going to win the title. But mm-hmm. Neither one of us thought she was going to even make the semifinals, right? No, gosh, no. I mean, and mind you, Svitolina, we like you. Don't, don't, don't get us wrong. We like you. We like your game. We all about the gym's life. But <laughs> at Wimbledon, I'm sorry. I just did not think you would be a factor. And I honestly feel like you benefited off of what I consider to be a cake, 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 cake draw. <laughs> <laughs> so to me, that is the reason Svitolina was in the semifinals. Not because of her excellent play or her her knowledge, if you will, of how to play on grass. I think she got fortunate. She had a good draw. She she just made the right decisions as far as her opportunities went. But but yeah, but kudos to her though. 
Kudos to her. And I didn't expect for Halep to even come through on that five because I had picked Pliskova to right. come through That's right. on that five. I mean, actually, a lot of people were uh, saying that they thought Pliskova was maybe the favorite to win it all. That's right. That's right. But then Muchkova, Muchkova, Muchova, whatever you pronounce her name, she got she up said, in there. She said, move over. <laughs> <laughs> Right? She's like, you need to move out the way. Because me and, uh, what's, what's, what's the actress's name that was all up in her uh, in her box? Um, oh. The funny one. The funny one. Who's she funny? Oh, um, I don't remember who that was. Okay. I, she, I know that she, she's been in a couple of really, really good uh, comedy movies. I'll think of her name shortly. But yeah, she was all up in her box and, and rooting her on. So I was like, all right, you got some star power all up in your box. Go ahead, Muchova. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, then you say, okay, Svitolina versus Halep. Mm-hmm. You know Halep's going to win that one, even though Halep isn't, she wasn't um, a favorite on grass herself, right? Well, um, I, tell you, I tell you what, she's my favorite now. <laughs> <laughs> but she got there, right? Yes. And so, yes. then you look at the top half of the draw, right? Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. Serena, who was in what they called the quarter of death, right? Right. Because right. she was up there with Ash Barty, she was up there with Angelique Kerber, she mm-hmm. was up there with Muguruza. Yep. You know, ten years ago I would have said she was up there with Sharapova, but we know that didn't mean nothing. Exactly. And then, <laughs> you know, we just thought that that was going to be the really challenging quarter. But right. all of these people were getting upset, and yeah. she cakewalked really uh, to a semifinal matchup against Strusova. And and although once again we like Streetsova, she she's cool people. She this was the run of her life, but yes. we knew she wasn't going to be any competition for Serena. So I thought with the way she gave her the beatdown right. in the semifinals, mm-hmm. and then knowing how she took them lumps from Kerber in the Wimbledon <laughs> final last year, that she was coming into the final. And then wait a minute, one more thing, and then how she. She was trying to show out in the mixed doubles with yes, yes. with Andy Murray and hitting all the circus shots and trying to act all surprised <laughs> and you know did I do that you right. know all all that kind of stupid stuff. You expected her to bring those shots into the Wimbledon final, right? That is exactly right. That's the type of surprises that we should have been seeing, not them damn peekaboo surprises where she didn't realize stuff was coming back at her and she actually had to play another damn ball. That just makes me mad, Bryce, makes me mad. And i tell you one other thing, Bryce, real quick, since you brought up the mixed doubles. I feel like they lost one round too soon because I feel like if they had gone on further in the mixed doubles, it would have taken more pressure off of Serena being in the finals. Because what I think happened is she lost in the mixed doubles and then all her attention went to singles. And to me, she got nervous. Well, let me tell you whose fault that was. Hmm. If if Andy Murray had put on his big boy <laughs> pants. Right, right. Because she actually would, played. Yeah, she worked in mixed doubles out. I was really surprised because as well as I thought Andy played at Queen's Club with mm-hmm. uh, Feliciano Lopez. Right. He just did not bring it. And I'm not even talking about the mixed doubles. He didn't bring it in the men's doubles. That's why they got beat. Yep. Uh, did they get beat in the first round? 
First round, yeah, they sent them home. It's like, you get on out of here. We ain't scared of you. So, so I don't know if Andy was nervous too, but Serena was – she didn't get the help that she needed from Andy. Now, don't get me wrong. I understand Andy's just now coming back. You right. know, I'm keeping, you know, expectations realistic on that. But right. I do think there was a – Andy played a bigger part in the reason why they didn't advance. Because Serena, to me – and you know how I feel about Serena and doubles. Serena, to me, is good in doubles because she just has good single skills, right? I don't really see her as a skilled doubles player. I've always thought Venus was the much better doubles player between the two of them. I mean, when Serena goes to the net, she looks like it's a vampire with a cross, you know, (laughs) (laughs) trying to volley, right? So, but... For Serena, she was really bringing it in the mixed doubles. So I do agree with you. I do think it allowed that loss allowed her to focus more on the singles. But I'm sorry. I'm disappointed in her getting nervous. Oh, I I agree. I I, I, I give you her getting nervous in the two finals last year because, okay, she's just coming back from the pregnancy and all that. And I get that she hasn't played a lot this year. But she did not lose that Wimbledon final because of a physical thing. Correct. She lost that Wimbledon final because she got scurred, and <laughs> Simona Halep got up in that skull and broke her down. Broke her down. Which, Bryce, listen, she should have expected. You have to expect the unexpected from Simona Halep. Why? Because years ago, and let us not forget that story, Years ago at the <laughs> women's championships, <laughs> Simona played Serena and she beat that skull in solidly. And I believe the score was six love, six two, gave up bagel and a whole biscuit. She, and, hey, she huh, fed her huh, well. Fed her well. She said, Sister, you look hungry. I'm going to hook you up. And <laughs> look, so when someone can smack you down like that, you always have to be worried, especially in a Grand Slam final. The girl done already won a Grand Slam, so she got all that pressure off her back. She ain't got nothing to lose. She's the underdog. Everybody's predicting Serena's going to win. She ain't got nothing to lose. She went in there, and she was like, you know what? I'm about to take this Wimbledon championship. And that's to me, that is that to me is how Serena did not come in. To me, Serena looked unfocused. Again, always being surprised. And granted, Simona played some lights-out tennis. Now, let's go on ahead and make sure we give credit where credit is due. Absolutely. Absolutely. Simona Halep knows she came out there and she was like, I'm about to give you my A++ game. <laughs> and she was just like, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to lose. And to me, that is where Serena just did not come out and she did not have that same mentality. She didn't have that same focus, Bryce. And that's why she got skull cracked. Bryce, she got beat. She got two whole biscuits, Bryce. Two she biscuits. did. And you know what? I'm so glad you said what you just said because, you know, we we came in hot here on, Ser- on Serena, right? Mm. And we have to absolutely acknowledge that Simona Hallett, that, she said it herself. I think she said, that's the best match I've ever played in my life. Lights out. She, whew, God, she played a great match. And and, and 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 I have to say, Bryce, I listened to the, the post-match interview that Serena gave. She gave a great interview afterwards. I thought she was going to be a little, you know, a little salty, a little one-word response type thing. She, to me, was very, very specific as to, you know, kind of what happened on the day. 
I feel like she kind of owned up to the fact that, hey, she just she just was better than me on the day, and I wasn't ready. And I have to say that was one of the better post-interviews that I've seen from Serena, even though I didn't want to see it because I wanted her to win. But the fact that she was so eloquent and she gave Halep the props that she deserved to get, that actually sat very well with me. But let me tell you why my spirit is a little unsettled right now. Hmm. Go on ahead. It's Go on because ahead. I've had whispers in my ear over the last six to eight months about people saying, oh, I don't know. Serena may not win another Grand Slam. And I would always be like, no, no, she's just now coming back. Hey, she made it to two Grand Slam finals. Um, she's doing good. She's going to do it. I felt that Wimbledon against mm-hmm. Simona Halep and, mm-hmm. you know, based upon the way that she was playing, this was her best chance. Yeah. yeah. And I don't know. I'm now a little 50-50 in terms of, you know what, because these ladies out here, they ain't scared of Serena they ain't scared. Uh, like they Mm-mm. used to be. And, and Serena can no longer just physically intimidate and dominate these other ladies because they hit hard too. That's right. They run they run fast too. And guess what? They're younger than Serena and they ain't had no baby. <laughs> and that is true. Both counts. Right. right. <laughs> so although I want nothing more than Serena to retire with thirty mm-hmm. titles, right? This is the first time in my mind I'm kinda like, mm, I don't know. Interesting. Interesting. Well, because Bryce, going into yeah. the because going into the U.S. Open, mm-hmm. I can't say she has a better shot there than she had at Wimbledon. I, I agree with you there. Um, I, I I'll, I'll say this much: I don't I don't feel that way about her because of a couple of things. If we look back, okay, let's just look at the facts here. She has played in three of the last five Grand Slam finals. That in itself bodes very well for her to be able to to pick up some more silverware, in my opinion. Mind you, she keeps choking <laughs> in that final match, but she keeps getting there, right? <laughs> but she keeps getting there, which I'm going to talk about somebody else uh, a little bit later. That Yeah, anyway. Um, so, <laughs> I, so I at least feel that Serena is still, I, 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 I feel, I'm still at that 90, 95% mark that she will win another Grand Slam because, again, she's been in the last three of the last five. I feel like, again, that post-match interviews, to me, spoke volumes because she basically said, I need to play more so I can put myself in the position more so that I know what I need to do in order to win. Because, mind you, Bryce, since she's been back, Serena has not won a tournament. She, she ain't won. won. She ain't won. And so what breeds winning? You got to win. And I right. think she needs to play the summer. She needs to play the summer hardcore. And again, she hasn't played because she's been injured. Now that she's healthy, she actually said, I'm going to play some more tennis. So that's a great sign, especially for us Serena, Serena fans. She's going to get out there and she's going to play a little bit more. And I think that's going to help her to build confidence and hopefully – before the U.S. Open, she can lift some hardware. I don't care. I don't care if it's a two fifty. I don't care if it's in somebody's backyard. Just win the damn <laughs> trophy, and then that way, I feel like she will gain a level of confidence that she does not have right now. 
And I think that is going to allow her to then get over the finish line in a final of a Grand Slam. So I, I still believe. I still believe, brother. And, and I'm going song... to add one more thing to that, though. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. The, the longer it takes mm-hmm. for her to win, yes. the more mental this is going to become. Agree. Agree. And, and so she needs to get out there and she needs to win something soon because we've gone over a year now yes. with her being back. And granted, we know that she was, you know, she had a couple injuries earlier this year that prevented her from winning. Um, But she needs to step it up. Uh, And and right now, I cannot say that she is head and shoulders above her competition. Oh, no, I agree with you there. I I mean, anytime you get two hibiscus put on you in a Grand Slam final, you're definitely (laughs) not above and beyond others. Ain't nobody scared of you. They're bringing out their Vaseline, and they're swinging out on you. So what you need to do is go get a bigger bottle of Vaseline and start swinging back. And that is the advice that Isaac has for Miss Serena Williams. Swing, exactly. honey. Swing. And once again, congratulations to you, Simona Halep. Nobody, probably not even you, expected to win <laughs> Wimbledon right. this year. Right. So good, good job. Exactly. Good on you, Simona. You you played lights out. I mean, my goodness, that was a fantastic match. Good on you, bro. Good on you, Simona. Now let's talk about that other stuff. I I just don't even know that I can, Bryce. I just my spirit. Listen, let me tell you something real quick though. So you know, I was out of town. I went home to I went back to Denver, and my niece had her twenty fifth birthday celebration, and so on the Saturday we were getting ready for the party, and of course I woke up and watched the Serena match and. Um, you know, everything transpired. I go over to the house. I walk in the door and my niece, she, she just looks at me. And she walks over to me. She puts her hand on my shoulder and she's like, uncle, are you okay? <laughs> and I look back at her and I was like, hell no, I ain't okay. What the hell? <laughs> and she was like, okay. I was like, no, sweetie, uncle is okay. But it just, it just really, my spirit was, it was just hurt on Saturday after that Serena lost. So anyway, then we get on to Sunday morning and I'll let you take that away. Um, so let's, no, let's go back to the quarterfinals, to the semifinals. Right? <laughs> okay, all right. Let, let, let's build this up a little bit for our listeners. There you go, get so, a bright spot. As everybody knows, the, the world of men's professional tennis has been dominated forever now by three players. Yes. Roger Federer, Rafael Nadal, and Novak Djokovic. And so it was no surprise that the three of them made the semifinals. Right. Now, it was a surprise that Roberto Augusto Agut was in the semifinals against Djokovic. RBA, shout out. Yeah, and kind of like the whole Simona thing, you know, congratulations to you. Once again, sure. nobody, and probably not even yourself, <laughs> thought that you would be in the semifinals of Wimbledon this year. So that that was an excellent uh, effort and result. Yes, it but was. we we knew Djokovic was going to tighten that head up, <laughs> and that he did. And yes, I think there, was, I think there was some feeding that went on. Yes, believe so. And and in that match, but Djokovic obviously made it to the finals. Yes. Now in the bottom half. Remember all that barking hmm. 
that Nadal did before Wimbledon started, but I didn't get the number two seed, and Roger got it, and blah, 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 blah. Right. Anyway, it all, it all came out to what it was supposed to come out to, and Roger and Nadal met in the, in the semifinals. Yes. And it was the exact result that I thought for one reason, uh, one very real reason. And I was telling people, because people were like, oh, I don't know, maybe Nadal has a slight edge. And we even heard some of the commentators say, oh, I give a slight edge to Nadal. Are y'all smoking crack? Are you serious? (laughs) Raphael has not beaten Roger Federer on a fast surface since he got that new backhand. Right, right. And I had no concerns about Nadal beating him in that semifinal match. And Roger showed him. He said, look, look. Rafa, you are king of clay. <laughs> but that dirt is underneath this grass. And I'm, <laughs> and I'm about to put it on you. And right. he he did. Now, granted, oh I give I give Nadal props for, for feeding Roger in that yeah. second set. Well, giving him that breast stick. Yeah, but Roger, to me, fell off. He won the first set, and he was just kind of like, you know, I, I don't feel like he was truly focused in that second set. So, yes, he got fed, but I, I put asterisks around that that feeding. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I, I I never felt like Federer was not going to win that match. Right. What about you? Right. I, I feel the exact same way. I felt very confident. The way he came out, how he was playing, I was like, yeah, this is this is the new Federer with that new backhand. I said, man, he he's 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 in it. He's about to take this match and against his greatest rival. So to me, that was a very very big victory for him, and uh, it was just it was a great match from uh, from from a Fed fan standpoint. I tell you that much. Good stuff. And so I think both you and I had predicted that the finals was going to be Djokovic versus Federer, right? That is correct. Now, my dumb self went out there and thought that Federer was going to get the job done, Listen, and you, you and you were dumb. the sm- you were the smart one who said <laughs> he's probably going to choke. I said very. I was like, look, there is some mental thing between Roger and Novak. I don't know what it is. I don't know what that intangible is all about. But Novak is in Roger's head. And Bryce, this is why this match just, just, now you talk about somebody's spirit being unsettled. Federer, in my opinion, and some may disagree, but this is Isaac's opinion. Roger Federer, simply put, outplayed Novak Djokovic in that final. I have, I was sitting there in absolute amazement as to how well he was playing. And you and I, I think were a lot conversing. of people saw that. Yeah, yeah, and I you think, and I were conversing yeah. during the match. I mean, mm-hmm. it was amazing how he was playing. But, and this is the big but, and I'll go back to what I text messaged you. Novak equals clutch. And all Novak was doing was, Roger Federer can show out all he want. All I'm going to do is make sure I win these clutch points because that's what's going to determine this match. And I swear to you, he didn't look bothered in the least bit. And I, it just unsettled my spirit because Roger played such a great match. It was, it was, oh my gosh, it was so good. And Novak just, 
but he knew. He just, it just, it was in my stomach, Bryce. I was like, he just, he knows he's in this, and he knows he's going to win this. And, 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 yeah, go ahead. I'll pass it over to you because, my gosh, it, it had me befuddled. Well, you know, for me, honestly, it came down to two points. Yeah. And those two points were the two match points that Federer had. And, and, and granted, I know I'm, I'm talking strategy from my couch. It's a whole <laughs> different thing from Roger being out there on the court. Right, but right. I've always been told, Hmm. That when you get a situation where you have multiple match or set points, right? Right. The first one is you go for the first one. Right. You 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 go for it. You don't be conservative. And I don't know why for the life of me, hmm. on either one of those points, he did not serve in volume. Bryce, you... It's so funny that you said that because to me, had he done a serve and volley on that first point at 40-15, that out wide serve he hit, because yep. Novak wouldn't have expected that. And he would have volleyed it into the open court game set match championship. And done. The second point he hits to his backhand, which is, I'm like, that's of course his better shot. And then he <laughs> hits a forehand that is in the middle of the court and leaves completely open to be passed. I'm like, what? Even I have a better strategy than that, Roger. <laughs> what, what are you doing? But, oh. but this goes back to what you were saying. If somebody's in your head, mm-hmm. then you start doing stupid stuff. Stupid stuff. Right? Stupid. Because you're, you're, something else is taking over other than good sense. Exactly. <laughs> right? and, and, and Bryce, let's, let's, let's step back just a little bit because here are a couple more examples of where he did that. During the match, Roger was extremely successful. On when he was serving to the deuce side, he served deuce side out wide, and then he'd run around and hit an open hand, forehand, or you know, to Djokovic's backhand. He had crazy success with that play. Why in the tiebreaker do you choose to go out wide and then try and go back behind him? What are you thinking? And the ball He's went not. wide. It's like, no, what are you doing? I, it just didn't make any sense to the types of decisions that he was making in those clutch moments. When you are in clutch moments, you go to your dependable, dependable shots. Those were not shots you had even tried in the match. Why are you trying them in a tiebreaker? That's why he lost both of those tiebreakers. Well, hell, all three of them. Jeez. Well, well, why he did it was because he was shook. Yep. I mean, yep. Yep. Djokovic, <laughs> Djokovic had him shook. And exactly. I, it just, and like I said, it, it was an excellent match. Both guys played really, really well. I mean, they, even in, in even a loss, Federer yeah. played. Federer proved that he still deserves to be considered one of the top guys today at the age of 37. For sure. But that, I think if he would have had a totally different result if he had served in volley on just one. Just one of those. Of those two match points. Just one or two. Yep, just one of them. Just You're not Raphael Nadal. <laughs> <laughs> you don't work out stuff from the baseline like that. Exactly. I mean, especially against the Djokovic. <laughs> exactly. I mean, and, and like I said, Bryce, he was having so much success during that match. He, to me, was by far the better player. And that's why this is just... 
to me, such a tough loss. But hey, I guess this is how Andy Roddick felt when Federer stole that <laughs> Wimbledon a bunch of years back. Because in my opinion, Roddick was the better player on that day, but Roger hung in there long enough to steal the match. And there is the same thing. Mental. Roddick was let, mental with Federer, and to me, Federer is mental with Djokovic. Crazy. Let, let's be real clear. Hmm. On Federer's worst day, Andy Roddick don't know what that's like. <laughs> Andy Roddick don't know what I feel like. So I, I understand what you were trying to say, but no, nah, I can't so let mean. that one slide. You're so mean. Don't be mean to Andy Roddick, man. He all right. Him, him and that one-dimensional game. Uh, all of them. Him, Stevie Johnson. <laughs> you are just uh, wrong. Wrong for messing with the Americans. Shame on you. So anyway... Yeah, we went man. into that weekend oh. with the potential of it being the greatest weekend for us with a Serena and a Roger victory. And they both really crapped the bed. They both. One didn't show up and one choked it out. I mean, literally. One did not show up and the other one just straight up choked it out. It just it just it just doesn't make any sense to me. And ruined my whole weekend. So thank y'all both. <laughs> and just like you said about Simona, you know, Novak. You know, even though, you know, I got no posters of you on my wall or nothing, you know, Hmm. congratulations Hmm. to you. I mean, I don't know. Federer, I don't know how many other people would have beaten Federer that day. No, no no one would. No one would. No, not anybody. Because he played lights out tennis. I mean, that is one of the best matches I have seen him play, excluding the clutch moments where he just didn't show up or lost his damn mind. Right. All I know is I can guess who ain't getting an invitation to Labor Cup this year. <laughs> right? Roger's like, nah, bitch, you gotta stay home. <laughs> <laughs> ain't nobody trying to be up around you this time. <laughs> listen, right? I, listen, man, Bryce, I'm, Bryce, we just, and I know this wasn't really in our segment to talk about, but we've just got to talk about this a little bit because in my eyes, this loss was huge. Now, what you mm-hmm. were saying about Serena is basically how I feel about Roger at this point. I, I Wimbledon, best opportunity, best by far to get a Grand Slam. Going into the next three, I'm sorry, he's just not going to be the favorite. And by the time next year's Wimbledon comes around, I, I just don't know if a 38-year-old body is going to be able to perform the way it did this year. And still get right. over the mental humps. So for me, it is, is, and I know folks go hate me for saying this, but I think Roger's stuck on 20. I think he will, he will end his career at 20 Grand Slam. And here's what else I think. I think that Roger, I'm sorry, excuse me. I think Rafa is going to pass him. And I think Djokovic is going to pass him. I think Roger's going to end up being third on the list. Because let's, let's, just, let's just talk very briefly about this. Rafa, we already know. He king of clay. He's probably going to play for another five years or so. At minimum, he's going to win two more French Opens. That's going to put him at 20. And he might win a third. So he might get to 21. And simply stated, 
Djokovic had already threw it out there. He had already put it out there. He's like, I ain't scared of none of y'all. I got this chip on my shoulder because y'all don't be including me. Y'all be having picnics without me, Roger and Rafa. <laughs> and I don't like it, and I'm tired of this bullshit. And what he is about to do is he is going to step over both of them. And I honestly feel like Novak might be trying to get up there with Serena. He might actually end his career with about 23, 24 grand slams. I, I, because of the fact that everybody focuses so much attention on Roger and Rafa and they don't give him much love. I mean, think about it, Bryce. Every match that he plays against Roger and Rafa, he never has the fan advantage. Never. How Not that even in Serbia. Not even in Serbia. I mean, that's his <laughs> home country, right? I mean, come <laughs> on, man. So you know he got a humongous chip on his shoulder, and he's, got, and he's just like, no, I'm going to prove every single one of y'all haters wrong. I'm about to step over both of these both of these brothers and I'm about to I'm about to have the the you know the most grand slams. This to me Bryce was significant. Roger needed to be at 21 in order to hold them off and at this point I do not see it happening. What's your thoughts on that? Well, Djokovic said it himself in the interview after the match. He said Roger has inspired him to play till at least he's 37. Hmm. So, um, <laughs> well, but but see, okay. So here's the thing. Let, let's let's think about this. So let's yeah. say Serena never wins another Grand Slam. Right. Right. She at least is at the point where people are like, well, but you can pretty much go ahead and say she's the goat now. Right. 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 Yeah. So I mean, these extra wins were just to kind of. You know, step on the neck, right? Put an extra few nails in the coffin and make it just an undisputed thing, right? right. But people are pretty much already there with Serena as the GOAT. Right. Now, with Roger, hmm. I tell you, Roger's going to probably end up carving out a different kind of title for himself. Yes, I, I do agree that at least Djokovic, if not Djokovic and Nadal, are going to both surpass him in the total number of titles. Mm-hmm. But I'm telling you what, that man, Roger Federer, is so beloved. Oh, for sure. I think he is going to always remain the people's favorite, the yes. people's champ. And yes. I don't think Nadal really cares about that as much, but I think that irks the crap out of Oh, hell yeah. It goes back to what Nick Curio said about him. He was like, he just needs to be loved. And, and I mean, Nick bust on him because it's the truth. He just really needs to be loved. And unfortunately, he's not going to get that level of love that we have for Roger Federer. He's, he's just not. Right. Right. Yeah. So Federer may have to get comfortable with just being the people's champ, right? Right, right. Which ain't, which ain't bad. Which ain't bad at all. Which ain't <laughs> bad at all. Hell of a lot of money. Hey, <laughs> uh, and he look, he's already putting his stamp on the game with the Labor Cup and yep. all this yep. other stuff. Yeah, Federer's gonna be fine. I mean, we want him to have it all, but yeah, you know, he's gonna be fine. I agree completely, brother. I agree. So, overall, Wimbledon was pretty darn good this year. I, I definitely from a competitive competitiveness. From an overall storyline with the Nick Kyrgios Nadal match, with Coco Golf having her breakout moments, um, again for our champions Simona Halep and Novak Djokovic, come on now, it was a fantastic Wimbledon. 
it's just wonderful. I enjoyed every second again, except for those finals. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and Isaac, we've got to get ourselves over there to Wimbledon. We have that's a Grand Slam we haven't been to yet, yes. so yes. we got to make we brothers on tennis got to make our way over there and make our mark. That's right. We need to make that happen. Hopefully, we'll be over there next year. But if not next yeah. year, I think we definitely will be there in 2021. So uh, y'all look out for us because uh, we're we going we gonna to be on the grounds. We're going to be <laughs> smelling the grass. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. Well, Bryce, so listeners, really, yeah, go ahead. Uh-huh. Yeah, so I wanted to introduce our hot topic. And I know you and I have a lot of passion for this particular topic. <laughs> and hopefully it's an enjoyable one for everyone because this is one that I think, you know, the the tennis viewing audience can easily relate to. And yes. what we want to talk about today is who are some of our favorite commentators on TV hey. and who are maybe some of our not-so-favorite commentators Aww. on TV. <laughs> and, um, and, and you know what? And I must say, I think oh, before we get in and, and we start busting some skulls in here, <laughs> I must say that I think as a whole, mm-hmm. the people that commentate for tennis, whether it's on ESPN or on the tennis channel, I think they do a really good job. And I I, I feel like I, I, very rarely am I in a position where I feel like I want to turn the volume down. Now, I'm going to tell you a couple people here that I do. But most of the people, they actually add value to my viewing experience. Yes. And and that's a credit to just really what a great job that they do. I absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. I mean, there's a lot of them, and I know they have different styles and, and, and different ways of going about their commentary. But uh, in my opinion, there are those that are a lot more effective than others. <laughs> exactly. Um so, where do you want to start? Do you want to start with the men, or do you want to start with the women? Let's start with the men, because, you know, that one's that one I feel like is going to be some fire. <laughs> oh. And, and I'm just going to throw this out there. As I was, I made a little list today, because I was kind of, I just wanted to jot down some names to make sure that I kind of remembered everybody. Yes. And one thing that I noticed is that I find myself liking more or appreciating the job that more of the women do in the commentating than the guys. Um, I And as we start to walk through this, for the guys, I basically broke my guys up into four categories. Okay. I, I have the ones that I absolutely love. Yes. I have the ones that I say, uh, eh! I mean, <laughs> I don't I, I don't dislike them, but, you know, I'm not really breaking my neck to listen to them. Right. There are a couple that I used to really like that are kind of sliding down the charts for me now. Right. right. And then there's a handful of them that if I could get their contracts canceled tonight. <laughs> I would get off this podcast. <laughs> I will start putting in work. <laughs> that is so, funny, sir. Ooh, that's funny. <laughs> so, let, so Isaac, let's start with the ones that we like, right? Yes. So, yes. Who, 
who are some of the ones you like and why? Well, I mean, first and foremost, the one I, you know, and I know that this is probably going to be like, well, of course, everybody likes him. I actually really, really enjoy Johnny Mac. I think Johnny Mac is crazy. I think he has that Nick Curios factor from the standpoint of commentators. You don't know what the hell is about to come out his mouth. And, <laughs> and he just always makes me laugh for whatever reason. Anytime Johnny Mac is, is, is commentating, he just I just get my giggle on. Because to me, he is just very real, as real as you can be as a commentator. And, you know, and he will, he will try and put some stuff out there, you know, and, 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 and call some folks to the carpet. And I appreciate that. I think a lot of the commentators tend to be a little, you know, shy as it relates to, you know, just telling the full business on folks. Whereas Johnny Mac, he's like, hell no, <laughs> I'm putting right. it out there on you, right? So I have to say Johnny Mac is absolutely one of my favorites because he is just, again, he's very raw, similar to me on this dang podcast. I just put it out there. Sometimes you just got to put it out there and let it fly. And so he is mine. So how about you, Bryce? Who, who are some of the favorites that you have listed? Well, I have three listed under my favorites that I absolutely okay. love. And okay. the first one for me is Cliff Drysdale. Oh, I and should be Cliff. That's right. Love Cliff. I, I just think that Cliff Drysdale comes across as one of the most genuine, yes. nice, uh, just warm. I mean, he's somebody that I feel like I would want to go to lunch with and sit down and talk with. Now, he's getting a little long in the tooth and he don't remember everything like he used to. <laughs> right, but right. <laughs> he he just has an aura about him yes. that makes you feel very comfortable. And even when he gives negative uh, feedback or constructive criticism, mm -hmm. it never feels mean. It never feels ill-spirited. Uh, <laughs> unlike <but> us. <laughs> <laughs> unlike a whole bunch of others, right? But right. I just absolutely love Cliff Drysdale. Now, there are two others that I really, really like in this category. They're not quite at the Cliff level of love for me. Yeah. One of them is Darren Cahill. Yeah. Um, I think Darren come, is another one that comes across as being very genuine. Right. Mm -hmm. And very knowledgeable, uh, right. which is uh, important. He just is kind of his personality is just as exciting. Right. He's right. he's a little sometimes he can be a little ho hum for me. Uh, <laughs> but I still feel, you know, between his knowledge and just his general personality, I really like him. Yeah. And then the third one for me in this category would be Leaf Sharp. Uh, Leif Shires is, um, at first I was kind of like, ah, oh, he's kind of okay. But the more I listen to him, once again, if you kind of look at the three people that I named, they're mm -hmm. all kind of these guys that have this very gentle spirit. Right. And uh, actually, I think it was about two years ago, and I think I told you about this, Isaac, uh, Indian Wells was going on, and I was over, I wasn't actually at the tournament. I was out there for some conference for work or something. Okay. And I was at the gas station and, you know, filling up and Leif Shirish pulled up at the pump across from me. And oh, I wait. recognized him. Yeah, I recognized him immediately. And so I said, Leif. And he said, hey, yeah, that's me. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and we chatted for a good five minutes and he was just the nicest guy. And wow. so 
after having that experience with him, that kind of solidified for me him being in that top room for me. Ah, okay. Uh, that makes sense. Yeah, I can see that with Leaf. He's, he seems like a pretty genuine guy. The other person that I would add for my list would be Paul Anacone. I like Paul. Okay. I do. I like Paul. I, the fact that he was with Sloan for a little while, so he down with the people's um, he has a very dry sense of humor that kind of makes me laugh as well. So I, I like Paul. I like Paul. He's he well he to me comes across as being very genuine as well. But you know he was with Pete though, so I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> but well, he was with you, Roger, right? Well, but you bringing up Paul actually transitions us into my next category. Okay, which which was my eh category, <laughs> and right. and the reason. And the reason why Paul falls in my eh category is because to me, he, in a lot of ways, he's similar to Cahill, right? Mm-hmm. He, I think he, like you said, he has a genuine personality. Uh, his knowledge of the game is very, very strong. But whenever I listen to Paul, and especially when I look at him on TV, he just looks like to me like, all he wants to do is get back to his bowl of oatmeal and, <laughs> <laughs> and let me finish my breakfast. I mean, no, seriously. <laughs> and so that kind of like, oh, you know, his lack of energy um, kind of keeps him out of my top category. Uh-oh. But, you know, he, he cool. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, that, that, that okay, that works. <laughs> and, and, and he's not alone in that eh category. Right. Joining joining him there for me is James Blake, who Aww. who I like to support as a brother, but you know, I, I really find myself drifting off when he's talking. Um, <laughs> shameful, shameful. Brad Gil- Brad Gilbert, I yeah. love once again because of knowledge of the game. But, you know, there's a screw loose there somewhere. And sometimes, you know, he sends me a little off. Yeah, Brad, uh, he gets a little crazy sometimes. But I love some of the, the sayings or some of the nicknames he gives players. Oh, they make me laugh. So I, from that standpoint, I like, I like him a lot. But you're right. He can, he can get a little crazy as well. So, and not in a good way. Right. <laughs> Jim Courier falls in this category for me. Yeah, because yeah. He, he represents that that era of tennis that I was really in with mm-hmm. him and Chang and Agassi and Sampras and, and all of that. But here's another one. Remember, Jim Courier ended his tennis career by reading books doing changeovers <laughs> right. on the sideline. And sometimes I think he has a book on his lap underneath the, uh, the commentating <laughs> desk because he doesn't always seem like he's always there for me. But the... <laughs> But the last person in this eh category for me uh-huh. is Patrick Moratlagu. Uh, Moratlagu. Yeah. Yes. I can say his name very slowly. Uh, <laughs> and obviously, I have love for Patrick because he gives us that insight on the Williams camp, right? Mm. But sometimes he says just a little too much. <laughs> and he does just a little too much. You know, like that type of person who doesn't get enough camera time. So once they get on the camera, they trying to do the most. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> that would be Patrick for me, you know. Yeah. 
So see, I put Patrick in my mm, take that contract away. You got enough going on <laughs> with Serena and with Coco Golf and with um, your your, your uh, tennis academy. You do not need to be on TV, especially English TV, because you speak French. So the answer is no. I need you to step away and make room for some other folks. Patrick is actually on my list of no. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> I'm sorry, Patrick. I like you, brother. You my coach of coaches. But when it comes to commentary, I yes, I will walk you off the set in a minute. <laughs> so, do you have anybody else that you would put in your eh category? Um, you know, the the one loud guy on Tennis Channel, I forget what his name is, but he's he's the younger guy. He, I like him. I mean, he I you know, he's like yeah, he he you know, he does a relatively good job. I think he's he. I don't know how much tennis knowledge he had before he got that job but to me he's you know he's eh. he's just you know he can be loud at times but sometimes i guess that's what you need when you're dealing with all them other personalities so he's he yeah. would be about the only one that 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 i would uh that i would classify there but yeah to me in my nose would be both the patrick's <laughs> <laughs> okay, gotcha. gotcha. Sorry, Patrick and Patrick, y'all need to walk off set. I'm sorry. And I'm talking about Patrick McEnroe. Sorry, Pat. Well, let me join you in that. Let me just go ahead and jump to my, um, uh, let me rip up your contract uh, tonight. <laughs> and I got three people in there. And yes. you know what? I'm going to start with the lesser of the three. Okay. Because every now and then, he's I. And that is Chris Fowler. Yeah. And, yeah. and you know what I feel like with Chris Fowler? And, and, I, and I feel like I, I see this with the other commentators on the men's side mm-hmm. who are not from tennis. They come from the commentating world or the journalism world. Mm-hmm. Is that they tend to, if they have an opinion and a tennis player, commentator, kind of, goes against that opinion, I find that they get very defensive and right. they get they get kind of very curt and and and, and Chris Fowler is very good for that, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and so I find myself not really enjoying hearing him at all. Um, <laughs> and then when he gets with your boy, Patrick McEnroe, who let me oh. tell you what with Patrick McEnroe, <laughs> I have never seen uh, uh, a bigger job of coattail riding since Latoya Jackson <laughs> than Patrick McEnroe. I mean, it, <laughs> he is so lucky that John McEnroe is his brother because he is garbage. He was a garbage <laughs> singles player. He was just an all right doubles player. He's not a great commentator. He was a horrible Davis Cup coach. He's, <laughs> I mean... He got bad hair. I mean, just everything about Patrick McEnroe is just garbage to me. No, that's funny. A lot of those I didn't think about, actually. And, and when ESPN, when they feeling froggy oh, and they want to put Chris uh, Fowler together with Patrick McEnroe, <laughs> I watch those matches on mute. You just put them on mute, on dog? On mute. On mute. <laughs> Because I'm going to end up with a cracked TV screen <laughs> sometime during that match if I'm listening to them. Oh, goodness. That is funny to me. <laughs> but let me be real clear. 
as much as I don't respect Patrick McEnroe and as much as I don't like Chris Fowler, the most trash <laughs> commentator that is out there. Garbage. Just please it just just move him to like commentating on curling or ice hockey or anything. Uh-huh. It's Brett Haber. <laughs> who, who thought that was a good idea to put him on tennis commentating? Oh Jesus, that is funny. I you He's know what, horrible. Bryce, I, and, I I have to go in there with you, yeah. Brett Brett is no no, I yeah, he needs to be walked off the set. Yes, he does. <laughs> get, get some pants and a jacket that fit. <laughs> He'd be looking all swole up there on the set. Just looking uncomfortable, you know? Like like they just took his tray of biscuits away and he is frustrated. I mean, that is just up. And he, and he says nothing valuable to me. He, he doesn't know tennis. He's done watched a few matches and think he can say something. I mean. Oh, Lord. <laughs> you done made oh. me laugh on that one, dude. <laughs> Brett Haber is garbage. And I'm going to leave him alone. I'm going to leave him alone. He probably is a real. No, he ain't. But I just. <laughs> you know what's funny, though? I think I saw him on our flight, or at least I would not our flight, but when we went over to Australia last year for the Australian Open, I'm pretty certain that he was on my flight because I walked, you know, you walk through first class. Nah, yeah, I ain't got them ducats like that to be flying first class. So I was proceeding back to the coach area, and of course, you look around to see who's on, uh, who's in the first class. And yeah, sure, I'm pretty certain that that was Brad Haber that was in first class. So uh, you know what? Yeah. I'm so glad I wasn't on your flight because I would have had that kind of <laughs> <laughs> that like backhand reaction walking past him. Oh, Brett Haber needs to get out of the sport. He is horrible. I will take John Wertheim every day of the week over yeah, Brett Haber. See, John is a little, uh, he's rubbing me as well. Now he's in my category as well, but we had already passed that up. So, uh, Anyway, <laughs> so well, I'm glad to hear about your feelings, Bryce. That was that was very good. <laughs> oh gosh, I mean, my stomach is hurting right now. I mean, let me tell you something else. John yes. Wertheim is proof that now. Let me tell you what he is one of my favorite writers. Yes, yes, I agree. absolutely one of my favorite writers. And yes. this is just proof that just because you can write, <laughs> right, <laughs> don't mean you should commentate, right? Exactly. You know exactly. That is my ain't, point exactly. Ain't nobody trying to see Beyonce on bass guitar, right? <laughs> we, <laughs> you need to what? Stay, Stay in, in your, your lane. lane. That's exactly <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm, Preach, I'm, Bryce. I'm, I'm sitting here sweating in my mama house right now <laughs> over this Brett Haver right now. I can't believe it. Let's go to the women before I lose my spirit right now. <laughs> Jesus, that's funny. <laughs> yes, Bryce, let's talk about the women. Let's talk about them. <laughs> oh. So you want me to start off or you want to start? Who are some of Please, your favorites? Please, because I, I, need, I need to rest for a minute. You need a minute? For, okay, all right. I'm going <laughs> to talk about some of my favorites. Because it, like you said, and I think your point was so spot on, I feel like the women commentators in tennis are just – 
in my opinion, just a step above the fellas. And fellas, I'm really sorry, but hey, you need, y'all need to step y'all's game up. Simply put, now Absolutely. my favorites are are just I have I have four. Um, one of them is no longer commentating, <laughs> but I still oh, have okay. four. Um, the first one I have, and it should be obvious because we talked about how she won an award a couple of weeks ago from the mm-hmm. Junior Tennis uh, um, uh, group, and that is Chanda. Chanda, you my girl. We you love you. It down. We love you. You are representing for the sisterhood, and you are doing a fantastic job. I love seeing you. I love your smile. I love the fact that you are natural. You coming up in there with your braids and your hair done good. I mean, just all of it. You are bringing, in my opinion, the total package. And that's what these folk need to see. They need to understand what a sister girl looked like and how she can put them things out there. So for me, Chanda Rubin, my number one. Number one. I I do not disagree with you at all. I think Chanda is, is the bomb. Uh, we've met her a couple of times, and she is just as nice in person as she comes across on TV. And uh, you just keep doing the damn thing, uh, Chanda. Right. You are um, you are really setting, uh, I think, a new standard yes. for the women commentators. And just excellent, excellent job. Love you to Wonderful. death. Wonderful. Love you, love you. Absolutely. So Chanda, of course, is my number one. Now, I don't know if you're going to agree with me on my number two, but I absolutely love her. And unfortunately, she's no longer in your girl Madison Keys <laughs> coaching box anymore. But that's my girl, Lindsay Davenport. I, I'm sorry, y'all. I love me some Lindsay Davenport. I've loved Lindsay as a player. I think she has done an incredible job as an announcer. When she initially came out, it was, it was a little rocky. She wasn't as good. But now that she has gotten her flow, I love how she she does her analysis of the players, how they're hitting the ball. I feel like she'll go in on somebody if they ain't playing right or if they ain't bringing the right, you know, the right funk to the court, if you will. Um, I just feel like Lindsay does a fantastic job. And again, I've always been a fan, so maybe I'm a little bit impartial. But Lindsay is actually my number two. Who you got on your list, brother? Well, you know what? I had I had Chanda like you, and I also have Lindsay in my favorite group. Shut your mouth. I actually do because I totally agree with you. In the beginning, uh, you were very polite, but she was horrible in the beginning. <laughs> she was trash. It was horrible. It was, it was like she. It's like it was like she went to the Brett Haber School of Commentating, and I was like, "Lord, help her! Give this woman a racket and put her back on the court because the commentating is not her thing." Right. But I don't know. She. I don't know. She must have gone to some classes or some seminars. Mm-hmm. You know, did some personal <laughs> meditating or whatever, but she tightened her game up, and she really became one of my absolute favorites. Wow, I did not think that you would have Lindsay on your list, bro. That's that's hey, that's that's good stuff, brother. I like that. But that, just, like but that just shows that I recognize growth. Yes, right? yes, you and, do. And and she she did. She she grew, yes. and and I'm, I'm kind of sad. I miss her. I, I I wish she would come back and do some more commentating. I agree. I agree. I like I said. I anytime I see Lindsay, it just makes me smile. So whether she's in coaching boxes or on the tennis channel playing, you know, commentating, I, I just she's fun. She's fantastic. One of my absolute favorites. Love you, Lindsay. California, California. So you said you had four. So I I, I have matched your first two. Okay. Who are your other two? Okay. Now my third, 
And actually, it's funny because I said one is still playing. Actually, both of them are still playing. So my third is Bethany. <laughs> Bethany Maddox says, Bethany is crazy. And I loves me some Bethany Maddox says. She gets in there with her beautiful smile and her crazy personality and her crazy gear. And, and, and she just puts it out there. And I actually think she does a great job. She always has me entertained and engaged whenever she's commentating on the match. So I actually really, really enjoy Bethany Maddox says. Okay, now I didn't have her in my top group, but I had a section that I had as um, people that are on the move up. Okay, and, okay. And I had Bethany in that section because if you really listen to Bethany, she's mm-hmm. still a little she's still a little raw. A little bit, which, a little bit. Which, yeah. you know, I think is part of her appeal, right? Exactly. Uh, yep. But I think she, you know, she's got a bullet pointed upwards, right? I think, uh, you know, she, she's definitely uh, improving. And I like her personality, and, she, and she's a very attractive lady. Yes, uh, she is. Bethany uh, is beautiful. So her- I agree with you there. Um, now, just to name the other person who's in my kind of on the move up for me. Okay. Once again, this is your boy Bryce recognizing growth because I couldn't stand this chick in the beginning. <laughs> And that was Tracy Austin. Shut your mouth. I got her, too. That was in my section, too. The most improved. Tracy yeah. Austin. That yeah, is crazy. I, well, because to me, in the beginning, she and uh, Chris Everett were both, to me, so critical of the Williams sisters. Now, mm. of course, now they're their biggest fans because they have no choice but to be. <laughs> right, but, right. But Tracy really seems to get it, though, to me. She seems Whereas, more genuine about it. Yeah. Yeah, she really seems to get it. So I have her and Bethany kind of like, you know what? You you two are on the move up for me. I got you. Yeah, yeah. I only put Tracy in my on the move up. She was she was the only one that I could identify that initially where I was like, ugh, I can't stand listening to you. To now it's like, all right, I look I look forward to hearing what you're gonna say. Tracy yeah. is definitely on that list for me. So good on you, Tracy, for moving up. Good job. Yeah, like the Jeffersons. <laughs> Right, moving on up. <laughs> so who's your fourth? Well, my fourth actually was Sloan. I love Sloan. Sloan is just ghetto. And <laughs> and I mean that in a good way for the folks that are listening. You know, black folks can say that uh, about other folks at times. You know, sometimes they ghetto, but it's a good type of ghetto. I think she just brings rawness whenever she's up in the booth. She gives them that looks. I love how she like raises her eyebrow and sort of gives what we call the sister look. <laughs> right. Exactly. She just makes me laugh. I love me some Sloan. So from that standpoint, I have Sloan on my favorites, even though I'm hoping I won't see her back in the commentary booth for a very, very long time. Because mind you folks, that was when she had hurt her, her leg and she was out of the game for maybe a year. So the Tennis Channel brought her on to do some commentary, and I just thought she did a phenomenal job. She just had me in stitches the entire time. So Sloan is one of my favorites, dog. (laughs) Now, interesting enough, in my favorites, I had six. Whoa. Wow. Okay, so who are your other three? And Well, no, because two. Oh, that's right. Yeah, Chanda and uh, Lindsay. Yeah, so yeah. I'm going to start from the bottom here. Okay. Oh, I, I wanna... missed one. I know who you're talking about, too, and I bet you have her in there. But I'm going to let you talk. Go ahead, dog. Okay. So the first of my remaining four in my top group is Renee Stubbs. Yeah, I can't forget. 
forget about Renee. I, I love Stubbsy. Yeah. Stubbs gives you that Australian, very real, robust personality. Someone who really knows the game. Yes. And I don't know if our listeners know this, but uh, Renee Stubbs is one of the most popular women on tour. Uh, when she was a player, just everybody loved her. Um, and now that she's off tour, still everybody loves her in her new capacity. And she was right. an amazing doubles player. So I really enjoy listening to her commentator, commentating because, number one, I love her personality. But number two, she really knows the game. Absolutely. Yep. Number two for me mm-hmm. is Mary Jo Fernandez. I can't believe I forgot Mary Jo. I love her. Mary yes. Mary yes. Jo Fernandez for me, I have the same kind of feeling with her that I kind of have with Cliff Drysdale. Yeah. Like, if I were to go in to have lunch with somebody and I, 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 just someone who seems so genuine, so warm. I think she's a beautiful lady as well. Ooh, yes, she is. Um, I hope nobody's taking offense to me telling the ladies that they're beautiful anyway. Uh, <laughs> I think she's a beautiful lady. Yes, she And is. she... And, you know, and she's someone who's able to speak from the standpoint of she was on a tour very early, 13, 14 years old. I had some very early success. Um, She's married to Tony Gottschick, who is, for those of you that don't know, is the agent for Roger Federer and for Coco Golf. That's right. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and I think she knows the game very well, too. And I just think she gives very balanced feedback and very balanced commentary and yes. I really appreciate her. Agree. I yep. You're you're mentioning folks and I'm just sitting here shaking my head. Yep. Yep. <laughs> now the last two I I really love these last two. Mm-hmm. And the first one is who Brett Haber should have tried to be on the men's side <laughs> uh, but is Chris McHenry. That's who I thought. That's who I thought you were going to say that I said I was missing is Chris McKinney. Chris is amazing. I love her. She is, she is the best of the non-tennis playing commentators to me. By far, by far. Actually, she knows just enough to be relevant in her Mm -hmm. comments, right? Mm -hmm. But she's so professional. And I've seen her hand. And the other thing I've noticed about Chris McHenry, and I don't know if everybody's picked up on this. If you sometimes try to get with Chris McHenry, she'll get back mm. with you a little bit. Mm. You better know she, it. Yes, she will. But she'll do it in such a professional manner that it doesn't come across as ghetto. Or it doesn't come across as, as like an angry little Brett Haver. Um, <laughs> right. And she actually reminds me of somebody else that I used to really like in that capacity. I don't know if you remember when Hannah Storm yeah, used I to play Hannah that Warren role. Me some Hannah Storm, yeah. Boy. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I think she came in and she kind of picked up that same role. Right. And she has done an amazing job. Right. I agree 100%. Love Chris McHenry. Now, my final one, if mm-hmm. I had to pick one woman to commentate every single match I listen to. <laughs> it would be Martina Navratilova. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I look, and 
I've mentioned it in previous episodes, and and everybody should know from listening to us how crazy I am about Venus and Serena. But I had to have a little heart to heart with myself a couple of weeks ago. I think I don't think there's another tennis player on the women's side of the game that I have greater respect for than Martina Navratilova. Right. Uh, her knowledge, first of all, as an overall athlete, and just even beyond the tennis court. She was a beast, right? Oh, my goodness. Yes, sir. Her knowledge of the game is is unrivaled. Uh, She gives you a little bit of that Johnny Mac. Like, she'll tell it to you the way it is, right? Right. But she never comes across as being disrespectful or – uh, and she's just been such a pioneer for the game in so many different ways, right? As a player, you know, with the Serbian Volley game. I mean, she wasn't a pioneer in terms of being the first person to do it, but for someone who just completely dedicated their game to that. She was the first real female player to really take the whole fitness thing to that extra level, right? Because right, she, right. she was a little bit of a chupster back in the day, but she <laughs> ended up becoming the most fit player on tour and made other players have to get fit to match what she did. That's right. The woman did nothing but win. She just right. won, 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 won. Singles, doubles, mixed doubles. Oh, and win, win, win. Win. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then even off the court, yeah. just such a pioneer for the LGBTQ, I always get the letters mixed up, <laughs> um, yes. community. Yes. I mean, I love Martina Navratilova. She can almost do no wrong in my eyes as it relates to um, – tennis and she is my favorite above all nice i got you bro i got you and i know there is some feedback some people feel like she can get a little chatty she talks a little (laughs) much when she commentates and and i respect that i i I know where you're coming from but like i said i can listen to martina all day long yeah because she knows what she's talking about she lived it exactly (laughs) i mean come on now so, Bryce, who do you have in your slide category? I have one person in my slide. Okay, okay. And it hurts my heart to say she's in my slide because at one point, she was my favorite ladies commentator, even mm. above Martina. Mm. And that is Mary Carrillo. Yeah, yeah. I thought Mary was probably the best example of someone who was a tennis player and really developed like pure professional journalistic type chops, right? Mm -hmm. Mm Because look, remember, she was on Real Sports on HBO. I mean, she moved beyond the the tennis broadcasting uh, booth. Right. And and I'm not sure what's gone on with... um, Mary in the last couple of years. I don't know if she got the boot at one time from, I don't know, was it the Tennis Channel or ESPN? Might have been ESPN, yeah. Was, 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 yeah there, might, there was a little bit of a time where you didn't see her a lot, so you wonder if it was contract negotiation or, if, like you said, they just gave her the boot and was like, no, you need to be out. But right. something happened, yeah. I, yeah, and then it just seemed like her attitude when she came back, mm-hmm. she seemed a little more snarky, she seemed a little more dark, 
And I was just like, Mary, what's going on in your world? I mean, mm. <laughs> like, what's going on? Uh, what's going on? Don't you know straight hair ain't got no curl? You know? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> uh, okay, wait a minute. Let me not leave nobody behind. If you didn't recognize that line from Pop Life by Prince, uh, yes. 34 years ago today, he released the song Pop Life from the album Around the World in a Day, his follow-up from, Pur- from Purple Rain, and that was my jam. But nonetheless, Mary, 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 don't you know straight hair ain't got no curl? Straight hair ain't got no curl. Your... So I got to put her a little bit on the slide Damn. for me. I, you know, it is funny because I also have her on my slide because of the things that you said, I just think that before she was more witty and her sarcasm, sarcasm was more on the lighter side of things. And now it just seems to be a little bit more on the, the judgmental side, her, her sarcasm and or, and or her comments. So from that, it's just kind of like, mm, Mary, I still love you, but... You know, we just need to turn turn that frown upside down. <laughs> right. <laughs> you will. Exactly. I yeah. don't know what's going on. And you know what? Can we just for a second go back to the men? Because I neglected to uh, say who my slides were on the men. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go right ahead. I had two men slides. Okay. And the, the first one was your favorite. It was John McEnroe. Oh. I, John used to be my favorite. And once again, it was because of, I, like Martina, I totally respect John's knowledge of the game. Yeah. Um, you know, so he was up there for that. He was up there because, yeah, he just didn't give a damn on certain things. He would say <laughs> it and he would, you know, put it out there like it ought to be put, right? Right. But I feel like in his, you know, he... A little bit of the Cliff Drysdale syndrome is getting in there with him. Maybe he's getting a little long in the tooth, and he's he he just doesn't seem as tight to me as he used to be. Oh, interesting. Okay. Uh, so I got him a little bit on the slide. Now, okay. who else I have on the slide on the men's side would be your boy, Justin Gimmelstein. Because <laughs> in the beginning, I thought he, he brought kind of a fresh perspective uh, to the tennis commentating. He was a little wacky. You know, he was a rich boy. You know, right. he had some success. The Williams sisters carried him to a couple of mixed doubles titles. <laughs> you know, right. Venus, Venus specifically. Um, <laughs> but I don't know. He got kind of crazy, and then he started putting his hands on people and everything, and I... <laughs> look, I don't know what happened to Justin, so... Uh, <laughs> yeah, they, to me... It, honestly, I'm with you, Justin. Well, see, because I ain't seen him in a long time because he, like I said, he laid hands on somebody and they kicked him out. <laughs> um, <laughs> but he used to actually be up there pretty good with me. But then, you know, it's kind of like he went through a little bit of that Mary thing as well, but a little bit more extreme. He started becoming a little bit more arrogant. And he, he came did. across as arrogant. And to me, the minute you do that, that crosses a line for me. And to me, that dropped me dropped him all the way down to the I can walk you off the set. But like I said, he put his hands on somebody so they so it solved itself. <laughs> right. They they went ahead and walked him off. And you know right. what? And the funny thing to me is, dude, you weren't that good to be arrogant. Right? Right. Exactly. If somebody was gonna be arrogant, let that be Martina, let that be yes. John. Heck, yes. even let that be who we about to talk about, um, Chris Everett. <laughs> but it was like yes. 
Yeah. So well, anyway, before, before Chris, though, I actually had another slide, and my other slide person outside of Mary is Pam Shriver. I think that oh, I just, there's wow, just something okay. about Pam that, and it's not that it's negative, it's just more or less like, eh, but I really used to like Pam and really wanted to hear her, and now it's, again, it seems like she's a little bit more snarky, a little bit, you know, so she's actually on my list as, 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 as sliding just a little bit, I have to say. You know, I didn't have a eh category for the women, but Pam would fall in that category for me because mm-hmm. Pam's got a little bit of that Jim Courier thing going on for me. Sometimes I think Pam be on the baseball field or something. She'll be <laughs> all there. And, you know, they used to put her out there in the sun all the time, you know, doing that, <laughs> you know, side court commentary. And I don't know right. if it got too much sun or whatever, but, you know, she just doesn't kind of, you know, when they kind of have that look in their eye where they don't be all they the way there. Over, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel like Pam kind of had that look in her eyes sometimes. So. She's yes. kind of, she's still entertaining, but I kind of yeah, give her that, is. eh. Yeah, yeah, I have her a little sly, because I really used to like Pam a lot, but now it's like, yeah, I can, I can take her or leave her, to be honest with you. Right. And uh, our last category, which I'm pretty sure we definitely are in agreement on uh, who we could walk off the set. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that Look, would be Chrissy Everett. Mm. Let me tell you what. She needs to be real happy that she was real good. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Because yeah. she... <sighs> yeah, I just I just feel like she can be very opinionated, very snarky, very... I, I don't know, just about her all the time. I mean, not all the time, but some of the early on, it just like she would just be talking about herself and her career and I don't know. I just she just initially rubbed me the wrong way, especially with all the Venus and Serena drama, because she just never felt like she gave them any credit. She was always like, oh, they're just power tennis. They have no feel. And it's like just because you couldn't lace the ball over the net don't mean that there's anything wrong with power tennis. So just to me, very judgmental. And I don't know. And she still to me comes across that way. It's just it's just there's just something about her that rubs me the wrong way. So like you. Typically, when she comes on, I just lower the volume. Right. I mean, she's like she played during a time when you didn't have to be a great athlete. So, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, seriously. Well, because we just talked about it. I mean, Martina was the one who really ushered in that you can't just be a good tennis player. You have to be a good tennis player and a good athlete, right? Right, right. Uh, and Chris has said it many times herself. Martina made her hit the gym. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, she just – I deal with too many Chris Everts in my day-to-day life. I don't, I don't be looking to turn on the TV and see another one. So, Ooh, That's a good one. That's very true. <laughs> so anyway. Well, Bryce, so, that was a lot of fun, man. I like it, that. It, that was a that was a good hot topic. So you know, speaking of of, of things being tired, you want to talk right. about the tournaments that are going on this week? Yeah, folks. Unfortunately, there ain't much going on. I mean, the men have three tournaments. The ladies got two. The men are in Newport and Croatia and Sweden and uh, Newport. I think John Isner's like the top seed. So I, you know, that one's always interesting. That you know comes after Wimbledon, but not so interesting that we don't spend any time talking about it. And then the women's side, they got some <laughs> called the Bucharest 
<laughs> what the hell is the Bucharest Open? But anyway, so they, they play on rocks the out there. <laughs> right? <laughs> They'd be like, "What's the, what's the surface at the Bucharest Open? Gravel." Gravel. <laughs> <laughs> so they got the Bucharest and they got Switzerland. And look, it's so low tier that even their own country women didn't show up. Cause I know, well, actually, Bachinski's in there, but Benches was like, mm, I ain't trying to play that tournament. That's too low for me. So, uh, so anyways, you've got those tournaments going on. So if you all see fit, go ahead and watch the tennis, and hopefully you'll enjoy some post-Wimbledon uh matchups but uh, things aren't really going to start popping until we get into the august time frame so the august swing is is when you know that the cincinnati and canada and we start gearing up towards the u.s open so you got a little bit of a break right now folks so just enjoy relax breathe because you need to breathe after that good old-fashioned wimbledon put it on you right right and, yeah. and, you know, Isaac, we should yeah. highlight that of those tournaments that you were talking about. One of them is the Hall of Fame tournament right. in yes. Newport, uh, Rhode Island. Yes. And each year at, during championship weekend, they have an inductee class into the Hall of Fame. Yes. And the theme for this year's inductees is... <laughs> If you only won two Grand Slams, and one of them was the Australian, and one of them was the French, we're going to let you in this year. And that's exactly what they did, because this year the three inductees are Lee Knopf, Mary Pierce, and Yevgeny Kafelnikov. And the one thing that all three of them have in common is that they won two singles Grand Slam titles, one being the Australian, one being the French. That's right. What do you think about those three, Isaac? Well, you know what? Let me let me just say a little bit about each of them. So I I enjoyed Lena. I loved how crazy she was. I loved how independent she was. Because mind you, you know, she was from uh, China, and um, they were basically trying to control her career and and all of the aspects of her life. And she was like, nah. I, y'all, ain't, y'all ain't about to control me like that. And so she stepped away. And I mean, it was just a really wonderful story. The fact that, you know, she just stepped off and, and, and made her own path and wasn't controlled by, you know, the country that she was from. So her story to me is amazing. And I know that she's expi- inspired a lot of, 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 of other uh, Chinese players. So from that standpoint, we love Li Na, and I feel like she did a great service to the game of tennis as a whole. Um, Mary Pierce, we love Mary. Mary, I always thought Mary, Mary. I always thought Mary was 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 from the U.S. <laughs> and I thought she was. Did she migrate to France or some mess like that? I can't remember her backstory. But I liked Mary Pierce's game, though. I thought she had a very strong power game when she was out there and. You know, she had a beautiful smile, and, and I just feel like she is definitely worthy of making it into the uh, into the Hall of Fame. And then lastly, Evgeny Kafelnikov. I mean, that was that was my boy. He was kind of your broke version of Andre Agassi, if you will. He, you know, he, <laughs> he, he played hard, and, and hey, he scratched through, and he got him some grand slams while, you know, Pete and Andre and Courier and all them folks was doing their thing. So, to me, Evgeny, Evgeny earned his way in there, so very happy for him and I know you got a lot of history with 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 him and some of these other players as well Bryce so what are your thoughts on the three inductees yeah I agree with you Lee Nah obviously she is responsible for this barrage 
of of uh, Chinese players we have now, uh, and and it's funny because I kind of get confused sometimes uh, because there's so many of them out right. there, and they are killing it in killing the doubles. It. Yes, killing yes. it in the doubles, and I think Li Na is directly responsible for uh, the growth of the game there. Mary Pierce, she was one of my favorites, and and you know. The listeners may remember, you know, in terms of players, I typically like the aggressive baseliners. And Mary Pierce would just sit there, and her forehand was ridiculous. It was mean. I mean, she would pound the heck out of that. Uh, Mm -hmm. She had a nice serve, and she had a dependable backhand. Uh, Just was a really good competitor. Um, I I liked her a lot. And Yevgeny Kafelnikov, he... You know how sometimes some players, it's unfortunate because, you know, they just kind of played in a tough era. I mean, right. I know all the men are feeling that right now, playing with Djokovic, <laughs> Nadal, and Federer. Right. But like you said, Kafelnikov was in there with Marat Saf. I mean, you know, he wasn't even considered the most talented one from his country. Right. Uh, but he had a really nice all-around game, good serve, good ground stroke, uh, could play the net, was a very good doubles player. Um, he could be a little cuckoo uh, sometimes, but <laughs> yes, he can. <laughs> all three of these are just uh, are almost a really a good feel good story uh, that they're getting in. Yeah, I completely agree, Bryce. It's just just a great story. All three of them making it uh, into the Hall of Fame, and you know, and just congratulations to all three of you from brothers on brothers on tennis, man. We just appreciate your the the contributions you've made to this sport and uh we're glad that a little bit of that is coming back your way so congratulations absolutely so isaac we probably need to wrap this up we have gotten our gab on uh (laughs) today but what we want to do is we want to once again invite our listening audience to join our online family we're really getting out there and and we we want you to join us on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. You can listen to us on iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play. Get out there, listen to our episodes, give us some feedback, write us a review. We're we're getting ready to to have our official launch uh, at the end of next month. And so we're really trying to tighten this show up so that it's the best possible product we can have. So, um, you know, tell your friends, tell your family, if there are people out there that enjoy the game of tennis and enjoy listening about it, there's not another show out there like us. And if, they, and if it is, they're biting off of us. So That's right. They fake. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so with that, remember that our handle on all of those platforms is Brothers on Tennis, and that's spelled B-R-U-T-H-A-S on Tennis. So with that, we're going to sign off, and we'll be talking back with you next week. And from Brothers on Tennis, this is your boy Bryce. And this is your boy Isaac. And we will see you next week. Have a good one.